Hello, Acres of Diamonds audience. Welcome back. This podcast number 25. I'm here with co-founder DJ Lagori and the famous, maybe infamous Kim Johnson. Kim Johnson is a coach. She coaches 24-7, 365, and she's been my coach for the better part of five years. And she's also an author of a number of books, the most recent, I think it's the most recent, right, Kim? Yes, sir. Who's, who's driving your bus? So welcome, Kim. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here tonight. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So a little backstory. One of the one of the reasons I'm so grateful to Kim and my family's so grateful to Kim, she was coaching me back. Uh, many of you know we lost our oldest son in 2016. She was coaching me during that phase of our of my life. And um and so Marcus passed away on November 16, 2016. On December 14th, 2016, I called Tim or called Kim to tell her that I quit my job. And she said, excuse me? I said, yeah, I quit my job. And she said, you can't quit your job. I said, Kim, I didn't fucking call you to tell you what I'm not to fucking do. I called you to fucking tell me how to do what I fucking want to do. And she said, okay, Scott. Now, Kim looks like a nice, demure prim and proper girl, but she was- she Not in New York, Boston, Boston. She, she lives in South Carolina, but was raised in Boston. So Kim <laughs> said, okay, Scott, you started it. Now I'm gonna fucking tell you why you can't fucking quit your job and why you're gonna fucking go back to work as fucking soon as you can. Yeah, Woohoo! I think that was about the approximate language. And I said, okay, Kim, I'm listening. And she said, look, I get I get what you're trying to do, but in, per, in pursuit to honor the dead, you cannot dishonor the living. And she went on to convince me to go back to work, which I did the very next day. I submitted my letter of reapplication, let's say, and um, went back to work January 4th uh, based, on, based on her coaching. And it's a moment I will remember forever. It's a moment that our family is extremely grateful for. Uh, my wife is very, very grateful to Kim for what she did that day. So thank you, Kim. Uh, it's made a huge difference. And I will also note that since that time, Kim has come back to me and said, okay, whenever you're ready to go out on your own, we can go out on your own. I'll help you in any way, shape, or form I can. Mm -hmm. And she has. So thank you for that too, Kim. You're welcome. And I think that, you know, in that moment, I think that sometimes you have things that rock you. We all have them. And sometimes we go to make big decisions all at once. And it's not always um, in our best interest to do it without understanding how what we're about to do affects everybody else that we love that's close to us. That's the biggest thing. You've got to always kind of take into consideration the ripple effects of everything that you do, you know? Yeah, and you made it very clear that day. I, I definitely had not done that. Um, your point to me was your family needs stability as soon as possible. Your income has to be that stability. Let's get them back to the, the normal, the new normal as soon as you can. And, and we did, and, and we've survived. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we limp along, but we're, we're doing it. So thank you. Um, Kim, your book. Yes. Who's, who's driving your bus? Catchy yeah. title. I like what that, the hell right? does it mean? <laughs> okay, so that whole thing started out as a very much a self uh way of managing me it, it, it was something that I had to create for myself as you know I've been doing this for a long time I've got over 20,000 hours in coaching but um about 
I don't know, 10 years ago, I had to start really figuring out how I was going to work on myself because I was my most difficult client. I kept, you know, challenging myself constantly. And I, I, I couldn't remember. I would do all, study and work with all these people because, you know, I worked with Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, all these different people that I, I could not um I could not, even though I was in it, I was entrenched. I mean, like I worked with these guys and I couldn't make myself follow the rules. So if I couldn't do it, how could I expect anybody else to do it? And, you know, it's in those moments, those small, tiny moments when you have that opportunity that we get hung up. And by making those wrong decisions or, you know, moment to moment decisions that are not supportive of the bigger outcomes that we have, we just take ourselves out before we even start to play. So I had to figure out something quickly that I could remember. And so I started thinking of it and everything comes down to one simple thing, emotions. Everything is emotional. Everything we do is emotional based. Energy equals emotions. They are one and the same. And um, we have patterns of emotions and I just started to think of them well, my cast of characters that was always ruling me. And then I was like, well, it seems like who's ever driving and that be evolved into this theory of the bus, like this cast of characters on a bus in my head. And who's ever driving the bus is causing the problems or solving the problems or fucking it up or doing whatever. And so I, I would put this visual in my head and dis discovered who were my, you know, usual suspects that were always up there. And um, even though like the graphic on the cover of the book is a double-decker bus because I truly believe that um, most women, I can say this because I am one, um, we have a double-decker bus of emotions and they're rampant. Like you could pick any one or 500 emotions that are any moment and two seconds later, we're in another one. Why, while most men um, have a golf cart for emotions and pretty much that's it. You know, like that, <laughs> that's why they struggle to deal with that's these double But it's true, right? I mean, my husband will come at me and he'll say things to me like, wow, that was way too much information. <laughs> like he can't even, and he's like, you're all over the place and he'll try to manage it. And like, but I realize he's got like four emotions and I'm coming all over the place. Like, and he just has to back up and I have to pull back and figure out like, all right, well, what emotion is he in? And it's usually chill guy. And when he's in that chill mode, I can't come at him with all of my emotions because it, we, we, it's like buses smashing into each other. It's a bus and a golf cart hitting each other. Exactly. And I just run them right over. <laughs> all right. Wait, I got a question to that because that is outstanding. I, I, as soon as you said, you know, a double decker bus, I thought of like, you know, something like a big double decker going through London or something like that. That's then, exactly uh, what's on the cover of the book. Yeah. And then I thought of a golf cart you know, being in a golf cart, like with my dad, and there's not a ton of room in there. And That's so right. now, so when, like, how did you come to that, like perspective? Because obviously, you're, you are a woman. So you're not, you know, it was like an idea of, all right, I think men have, you know, much simpler emotions or feelings. And let's say it's four compared to a double decker. Well, it's just, it's years of doing it, DJ. It's like mm -hmm. years, of, I have a lot of different clients. And I, I work with men and women. I don't just say, oh, I only take women or I only take men. Um, but I'm very observant. And I recognize that the majority of my guys come with the same couple of issues, right? And most of them that I work with long-term will say to me, like, I get, a I get a text message today. 
WTF does this mean? And it's a screenshot from his wife with a whole list of stuff that she was ranting about. And he's like, decode this shit for me. Right? Like, he <laughs> so, doesn't it's similar, so it's a similar like feelings from the, the males, you could say. It's or similar yes. problems or essentially. Right. But they're very and and men, this is not like this is not woo-woo, like woo-woo stuff. It's like men's brains process differently than women's do. We are like, you know, you look at it and it's like a pinball machine in a woman's head when they do it. Bing, 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 bing. And it's like all different areas light up when they're thinking. And men are like, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> it, it, just, it works differently. So I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. I, it, I, it's I, science yeah. at this point. And it's hard because we don't always, like we're 50,000 steps ahead. Like one of my main drivers is certainty. I know that I am extraordinarily certainty driven. So she rules my world, whether it's about business or money or you name it, she's always 50 steps ahead. She's always got something going on. She's always thinking, you know, way far ahead of everything. Like I know, no, no joke. I was having this thought earlier today. It's what, December 14th. I have a camping reservation for February and I was concerned because I couldn't find the paperwork for it today. And once I recognized it and I remembered it, it's in the back of my head, like, you gotta find that, you gotta find that. You gonna find that? How are we gonna find that? We need to look that up. Is it in the email? I can see it in the email. Why am I worried about it right now? I don't need to put it on a list and let it go. But because she will jump in that driver's seat and take over and she's my primary, she like loves to be the primary driver. Mm-hmm all the time so that was my next question is 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 there multiple drivers oh, okay. to each bus or to, oh, yeah. to your bus that you want to yes so it works like this um you've got that cast of characters of emotions you've got the usual suspects that like to drive they show up they sit next to each other they egg each other on as to what's going on like if i've got me it, it, i grew up with certainty and um anxiety and creativity those are kind of like my if I'm not paying attention, but that's the crew that will show up. My mother was very anxious. And, you know, just like Pink Floyd said, um, mom is going to pass all her crap on to you. So um, that's, <laughs> that's how it works. And so and I grew up very anxious about things and I would have this anxiety and certainty was something that um, I know the moment it happened. I know when she started driving my, because we don't think about what we say to people. My dad, I was uh, 10 years old. My dad had a heart attack in the hospital. It was in the seventies and my mom was scared to death. Of course, why wouldn't she be? Her 42 year old husband had just had a heart attack. And she sat across from me at the dinner table and she said, um, well, if he dies, I don't know how I'm gonna take care of you. And in that moment, everything in my world changed because that meant I had to figure that out. What did that mean to me? So I got very certainty driven. So I always loop back to that. It, it's so hardwired into me and I have to purposefully think her out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, Scott, you know what this is like? I mean, listening to Kim talk about this stuff, this is really kind of like, you know, developing a personal culture based upon team culture and family culture. So. I mean, so you could say, what was yours? It was anxiety, create or creativity, and, um, and, and certainty. So you could say, all right, so I got 
the anxious aspect from my mother. So that is a direct family oriented culture mm -hmm. that now passed to you. So like, for example, something that I always love to say is make measurable progress over a reasonable time. The mm -hmm. only reason I've ever said that was because that's what my father always told me when I was little. And so, and I have maybe two or three other family cultures that he helped instill into me that I use every day and that I think about all the time. And it really dictates, you know, your core values and your core beliefs. So, you know, hearing you say all of that, that's really, you know, developing. A, and so it developed your personal culture based upon your, you know, an aspect of your family. Yes, but, but it's also understanding that what's scary about this is that we don't always do a good job cultivating that. Like we don't go through and say, oh, wait, that makes a lot of sense. Let me keep that one. Mm -hmm. We just have them all and we don't sort them out. So we end up with these ridiculous things that are just um, part of us, but it's all emotional based because everything we do is emotional. Everything we do is emotional and it affects everything else. So if you're trying to set goals, it's that time of the year, right? And everybody's trying to set goals. So my calendar is like a zoo right now because everyone's trying to set goals, but they're coming and they're in the wrong emotion to set goals because they're showing up and they're, most of them are off target from where they were this year. So they're feeling depleted, anxious, whatnot. And they show up and they say, you know what, I, I, I gotta make up. And I'm like, well, listen, you had three months off because of COVID and you couldn't work during that time. So if you actually calculated the time you did work with this and this, and I make a logical argument to them and I have to break the pattern and then I have to say, okay, well, let's set goals, but you can't do it from this energy. You've got to do it from a place of possibility. So no goal setting today. You have to go back and get to a place of possibility first and then we can goal set because otherwise everything and all the energy we're pouring into goal setting is coming from depletion or anxiety or judgment, even worse, or shame, even worse. And that's what they want to set their goals from. How successful are those goals going to be? You have to start from a from a better mindset, from a better totally. better emotion. Yes, because that emotion, better, emotion. A better goal, a better process of achieving those goals. Right, yeah. and and you've got to get rid of this notion of oh my god, they have to be smart goals. You should not be setting goals from from a place of what you think you can do, because that's just a damn to do list. <laughs> You know, that's not goals. That's just a to-do list. What you have to do is say, what's going to make me fired up? What's going to make me stretch? What's going to make me be like, damn, I'd be proud of that. Mm -hmm. And then you focus on that because it's no harder to focus on, you know, $100,000 than it is to focus on $200,000. The only difference, your brain is like 100, 200, no difference. It doesn't take me any more energy to think of a one than a two. The mm -hmm. only difference is right away, judgment gets into the seat of the bus and goes oh yeah you're not going to do that we've never done that before that's not a good idea let's not do that and then we go right we've not done that before well, and then you try to happened. then at that point you try to kick judgment right in the face off the bus well you have to you know this is, and this is part of what i spend so much time doing is teaching people how to manage this so when it shows up listen they're all there to help us judgment is a very good thing it's a double-edged sword. They all are, right? Judgment is excellent at keeping you from jumping off a cliff when your friends are all going, hey, yeah, it's fine. Let's just jump in. It's good. Nobody's going to hit the bottom. Nobody's died today. 
judgments like, damn, I don't know about that. That's stupid, right? That's a useful piece for emotion. Fear is if your house is on fire, right? Mm -hmm. You want fear to get your ass up and moving. Mm -hmm. There are pieces of this. Love is a, everyone thinks, oh, you always want to be in a state of love. No, you know how many women end up pregnant because they were in a state of love when they shouldn't have been? You know, everything has a double-edged sword. You have to think things through when it comes to That's very true. Is this the most resourceful emotion to be in in this moment? Right? So we should live our life by moments, essentially. more And asking the question about this, you know, is this the most resourceful emotion in this moment? You know? So I have this little phrase I teach in the book, stop, reflect, choose, redirect. So you stop. Where am I right now? All right, reflect. What am I thinking about? What am I focused on? What brought me to this place? And then, um, you know, uh, you got to choose what's better than this. What could be the best emotion to be in? And then you redirect yourself and then you go on. And that's the way um, you can successfully navigate it as opposed to the struggle of just being succumbing to them all the time and letting them go crazy. You know? It seems like an important piece to what you just described there too is slowing your life down the just the moment just, just, just the moment those, so like so i mean so say in a day you might have 10 moments of decision or 10 moments of, of thousands like, thousands thousands in a day. All right, so you take thousands of them so you take thousands of these moments and then you slow down each one so yep. then your your decision making your clarity your your emotions are improved because you're actually technically spending more time on being conscious of those moments. Yes, and choosing consciously. So if you're at really active, it it's like you set the intention for the day and who's the emotion you want to spend the time in. So like all weekend, I was in my, I have, you can create personas with them as well and put a group of emotions together. So for me, it's like my hippie chick Zen girl, I like to call her. And she's not going to get uptight. She's not, doesn't have to have all the answers. She does not need to know everything, even though, you know, I know for sure that there are moments when I feel like I, she's right there. Like hippie chick Zen girl, certainty girl, gotta know, gotta know, gotta know. It's like, Perfect example, shopping at Costco. I go to Costco. I love Costco. I go in. I don't need toilet paper. I don't need it. I've got a lot of it. Yet, I see them put the pallets out. And there's this, you know, I kid you not, there's this. A magnet. I total, like, I look at it and I go, uh, I'm going to get some. And I immediately put it in the car. And I came back. And I kid you not, this was a week ago. I counted all the rolls just to know. Now, who does that, right? This is my certainty for you. I counter, count them all. I've got 105 rolls of toilet paper. Who has 105 rolls of toilet paper? Someone who has has the certainty driving their bus. (laughs) Exactly. And I actually said to myself, okay, I feel like I could make it through another shutdown. But it took a hundred rolls to make me feel that way. And a yeah. decent amount of money probably to, to purchase all of those. But thank God I have a husband that just, whatever. Like, because he's got four guys on his cart. He doesn't care. He's like, whatever. If it makes her happy, fine. Have the toilet. He's got the four. I don't, I don't, as long as I don't have to hear about it and I don't have to go buy it, it's fine. You know, whatever. Yeah. Freezer, same thing with meat. Same mm-hmm. thing with doing it. Well, what can I do? He says to me, don't buy any more meat. I was like, okay, 
bought more meat, snuck it in the freezer in the garage, packed it, and he's like, you bought more meat. I'm like, maybe. It's like I'm a like, preparation. So like you're preparing for something like that, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna need it, but we got it just in case. Right. But that's that's certainty. That's the that, certainty. That safety feeling. That's like, okay, I got it covered. It's why I get up and do all the laundry and have everything clean before anybody even wakes up. Because I don't want to put my rules on them, but I don't want to live that way. So I've learned to work with her. And again, this is the funny thing about these emotions. You can't pull the bus over and say, get the fuck off. Like it doesn't work that way. You can't kick them off as much as you'd like to. They all have a good, you know, um, a purpose. Like she makes sure my calendar's all set. She makes sure I pay, get myself paid. She makes sure we have toilet paper. She's excellent at certain things. She's just not great at being a good partner to somebody because she can never have like spontaneity. Mm -hmm. You know, like spontaneity to her is like, uh, uh, no, what do you mean? It makes you you awkward. It makes you not feel safe or secure, right? Oh, totally. When we we got married, we went to to Thailand backpacking and I didn't have all this sorted out at that point in my life. And my husband was like, we'll take three weeks. We'll get married over there. Nobody will know. We'll just go to Chiang Mai. We'll get married. It'll be great. Now he had backpacked through Australia for three months. He was very used to just showing up at a hostel and sleeping. I, on the other hand, have an itinerary and a book. I have everything down. I know where I'm supposed to be at what time. I have everything there. It drove me insane. I didn't, I was like, can't we just have certain places that we should be at a certain time? And he, finally he was like, sure, sure, whatever. Cause I wore him down because I have a bus and he has a golf cart and now I understand it, right? Like I- Bus wins. <laughs> So oh, Kim, I'm not I'm not sure I've ever heard the golf cart before from you. This is this I is insightful. This is good yeah. to yeah. a lot. That all this time. I like it. It makes total sense. Like, I mean, I, I think about the males in my life, and it's like they're you're right. They got about three to four emotions, and you know, certain things trigger them, and you can kind of predict when they're gonna be like that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the women in my life, I don't want to throw them under the bus, no pun intended, but I mean they yeah. got well, they have plenty of, of, of changes and, you know, mood swings and all this stuff. So. Oh, yeah. And, and listen, there's no absolutes. I mean, some guys are very emotional and they have a double decker. And oftentimes what happens now, especially with how society is working, more women are out working that both house. So you'll end up where you've got someone assuming that other role where they've got just the golf cart. And then the person that's at the house all the time might have more emotion. Nothing's absolute, but this is just a generalization to help us understand what we're dealing with and the capacity that we both you know, as males and females tend to show up with. Mm-hmm. And again, nothing's absolute and it's always in flux, but in general, it's a great way for us to be able to sort quickly. And that's what this is all about. Like being able to manage yourself and manage other people and help other people. You've got to be able to sort like lightning. Otherwise you walk into a hornet's nest and you don't even know what's hit you. You know, you walk into your house at the end of the day, you don't know that your spouse has been dealing with all the kids and all this stuff and everything that's happening. And you walk in and you're just like, oh man, I'm so glad to be home or whatever. You walk in and you just, in that moment, you get, you see it and you go, "Uh oh, right? Like, you know, it's all coming. And in that, if you can't soar quickly, you can't figure out what to say. So most of the time when that happens, the person walking in tends to want to retreat 
instead of putting their bag down and going, how can I help you? Yeah. What do you need to be okay? Um, yeah. But that's switching that emotion to running mm -hmm. from running, like get the hell out of here. What are you doing? You know, this is danger, danger, danger. Get out of town, right? Avoid. <laughs> Exactly. As, as opposed to just pausing and being, nope, this person needs a hug. Mm -hmm. I can see that, you yeah. know, and those moments change everything. That's like what we were talking about before with Scott, having that perspective of the ripple effect mm -hmm. and all those things matter. And the emotion you throw at it is either going to help it or hurt it. It's like throwing kerosene on a fire. So, you know, especially if women are in certain emotions and you, you do something like in the book. It, so I wrote the book to be very a quick read so that we can get it easily. Front half is all content of like what we're talking about. And the back half is about two characters, Liz and Lily. And um, Liz is more on the negative side and Lily's more on the lighter side and how they live parallel lives. They live next to each other. And I purposefully wrote it so people could hear inner dialogue and see how this works. And I get people constantly telling me, wow, I had no idea that's, that was a bad thing to think like that. Like, I, I see it now, now that you pointed it out, I can see how it happens. And there's an example in there about how Liz's husband comes home with food. Like he brought, brings food home and he's, he thinks he's doing a good thing by bringing food home. But because he made the choice and didn't ask her, she's pissed off. And so, and, and, and most guys I know have been in this spot. They're like, yeah, I, I did a good thing. This is a bad thing, apparently, you know? And, and again, when you have four emotions managing it, it's like, bad, don't do that again. And then they don't. And then I'll, I'll coach couples and he'll say, well, listen, I tried. I, I brought home wings and in beer and I thought that was going to be a good thing and she's pissed at me for it and she's like wings and beer you don't know blah 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 and he's like I tried she said take care of me I tried I tried and she's like selfish selfish and so you can see how this happens mm -hmm. as opposed to saying well what was the intent yeah well how was this person intending to make me feel not did they do it the best way you know, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's just easier to ask and women want you guys to be mind readers often. And it doesn't work that way. This is, Scott, this is what we talked about. We, we spent a couple hours on this on Saturday. It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. So we're going to teach a class on mind reading, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would, yeah. To try our best to, to read minds, but it was, we were taught, I mean, I don't want to give too much away because I, I really do think that this could be a whole program that you can teach to people. Yeah, um, let's, I don't think I don't think we can give it justice in a few minutes. Yeah, no, we can't. But it was it was essentially, you know, how does how does the male understand the female and how does the female understand the male? And you know, how is our communication different? How do we see each other? You know, what are our goals in a conversation? Mm -hmm. And we talked about it for like two hours and it was it was awesome. Like we learned so much just by really asking hard questions and, mm -hmm. and finding answers. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was similar to bringing home that those beer and chicken wings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have an idea of, of what the reaction is going to be, but it's completely different. And then we, you know, mm -hmm. say, all right, well, our intention was this. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting. Well, one, if you guys teach a class like that, I'm all in. I'll do, I'll teach it with you because yeah. I, I'll tell you here, here's the funny part about that. Like 
again, it all comes back to emotion. Mm -hmm. And if the guy doesn't have an expanded emotion on it and he thinks he's doing something and he's just like, okay, like what would she, because asking the question that I teach most of my male clients is, what would I, what, what, what do I think is the right thing to do? And then going, okay, but what would she think if I was in her shoes, what would she think is the right thing to do? Right. And then somehow you find a way to bridge that gap by just asking those little tweaks in the questions. Right. And that makes a, a very different outcome for the other person, even, and, and listen, years of doing this, I can tell you, men just want to feel loved, peace and quiet. They just want to be able to chill out and they just want to be able to sit back, relax and have fun. They just want to know you're having fun with them. That's pretty much it. Like men are simple. <laughs> I completely agree. She's right. She's right on all occasions. Oh, of it's, course. Yeah. It's just, it's that, it's that much. And, and women want to know that they're loved and adored and they, you, you, you think we're the best looking woman in the room and that we want to have fun and we want to feel cared for and we want you to know that you're going to do all these things for us and you're thinking ahead and you're thinking of our birthday you're thinking of christmas presents you're thinking of the stuff that we want to do we want it all mm-hmm. and there's no question in my mind that that is the, the 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 magic of it we want it all we want you to think way ahead of everything you know way ahead of everything i gotta start taking notes on all this stuff for my future wife wherever wherever she is just let her i'm let, telling her letting her know right now i'm gonna really try to think ahead for you honey yeah. well you know there was an episode of king of queens years ago where carrie and uh doug right they're, they're such a great show because he was such the typical guy and she was such the typical woman and he he did all this to get her because he kept saying she's way above my pay grade right but I'm going to get her as is the UPS driver that he was right and he finally gets her and they get married and she's complaining to him she's like Doug there's no romance there's nothing here you just like you, you drink you sleep on the couch you watch your games and she's like complaining to him and he goes what are you talking about I did all the hard work I got you and she's like what do you mean you got me she's like you have to do the romance and he's like i did the romance are you crazy i don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> like you gotta you gotta keep doing this stuff it doesn't and she, just and she, yes and she's trying to teach him you gotta keep doing it and he's like i did not sign up for that yeah. <laughs> i did it in the beginning and that's the end of it yep. and, and that's how most guys feel that's how most guys feel and and for women it's very hard like i'll say to women you have to tell them i can't tell you how many times in a week I say to a woman, they're like, he does nothing. There's so many little things to do that he's getting done. And I'm like, does he have a concrete list of what you need done? Uh, it's not my job to tell him. I'm like, well, he's not a mind reader. And if you're waiting for him to be a mind reader, we've got a long fucking wait happening because <laughs> he's never going to figure it out. Yeah. I said, instead, why don't you just make the list? Like we have, um, we've traditionally, we've always had a list up that's the annoying list. And my, I can put anything on the annoying list and I can put the date next to it that I put it on there. And then he has like, you know, an idea of how long it's been waiting to be done. And then he can go and just do it. But I can't, I can't expect him to know everything that goes on in my head. It's chaos in there. It's it's chaos. Double-decker bus. Double-decker bus. (laughs) Exactly. And I don't expect him to, to try to figure it out. So how, how my clients will say, how can you write him a list all the time? I'm like, because I want shit done. 
And that's how it gets done. And if I don't, if I'm not willing to give them the list, but don't you feel like you're babysitting? No, I feel like I'm getting shit done. You know, like you've got to get past the rules of what it all means. Because that's what we do. These emotions back us up and everything means something. Everything means something. It's just to men, there are fewer of those meanings, but to women, everything's a meaning. That's why that movie years ago, um, He's Just Not That Into You was such a mind-blowing experience. If you've never seen it, you have to go watch this movie because all the girls are like, oh, he'll call you and he'll do this and he'll do that. And then they sit down with a guy one night and he's like, man, he, he didn't call you because he's not into you. And it's like, what? And the girl was stunned by it. If you've never seen the movie, you have yeah. to go back and watch That's it. That's great. Yeah, it's great. Such a great movie. And, and it's true. It's like, we make it all up. It'd be so much different in our head. And it's not. It's not complicated. It's not complicated at all. And so learning to how to manage your emotions and then communicate them to other people in a thoughtful way where they can then understand it and us to not hold them emotionally hostage which is the worst thing and that's what people do all the time they hold them most other people emotionally hostage and we hold ourselves emotionally hostage we use shame to try to get ourselves to do things um and and you know guilt and you name it and it, it doesn't work it doesn't work long term i don't believe in the theory of the beatings will continue until morale improves i mean that just doesn't work and it, it never has and it never will so this okay. is a so Kim, you've got you've got the framework, right? You've got the framework in the book, and mm -hmm. you've been doing this coaching for a very long time. Mm -hmm. How how quickly can you observe in your own mind when one of the emotions that you don't want in control of the bus is driving, and you want to change it out? Like, how quickly can you make the realization and the change? So it all depends on, I've been doing this for a very long time. So people always say to me, well, you must have it mastered. And I say, I don't have anything mastered. I have a deep awareness of it, but I don't always have it mastered. And there are times when I will lose it very quickly because it's emotions are like lightning. They can jump in and it, it's just a and they're predicated on other things. So if I'm tired, if I've been coaching too much, if I've been, um, if I'm dealing with too many things in my head all at once, stress, all of this. Um, you know, I got in a car accident a couple of weeks ago and I lost my truck that I refused to ever get rid of. It was a Honda Element. I would never get rid of it. It was the best vehicle ever. And um, I re still refuse. I still have not gotten a new vehicle. And it's been two and a half weeks. And my husband's like, you have to pick a vehicle. I'm like, I don't like anything. I want a Honda Element. He's like, they don't make them. And so we keep doing this circle. And so I realize, I realize that this is happening. And he takes me, he's like, we're going to go look at vehicles. And everywhere we go, I stand there like a toddler with my arms crossed and I can feel myself doing it. I know I'm doing it. And I'll say, you're not being very nice. Like in my head, I know I'm not being very nice, but it doesn't change. Like I can't, I can't pull myself out of it instantly. And then he'll look at me and he'll give me that look. And I'm like, I don't like it. And he's like, you have to like something. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like any of them. Nothing, there's not enough headroom. And I start to go in this overwhelmed, certainty driven freak show that I can turn into. And I just sit there and I'm like, no, I'm an adult. I can get what I want. And I want an element. And he's like, 
And so I recognize it and I have to really manage it. I have to really manage it. And sometimes I have to say, I need 24 hours to calm down or I need 72 hours. We're on three weeks and it's going into two and a half weeks and I still haven't moved past it yet. So there are times when I can do it in a lightning on a daily basis, big things hang me up still. Like I said, I'm my worst client, you know, really. Well, I mean, there's, there's, unfortunately, there's some comfort in knowing that uh, someone with your breadth and depth of experience and wisdom um, still struggles with it because, you know, you and I have talked about it quite a bit. Um, you know, it's getting harder and harder in the world to, to deal with emotionally and to know that, you know, there's frameworks out there like the one that you presented in your book. Um, I don't know that I don't know that it's getting harder and harder. I think that um, I refuse to believe that. I just think there are more ways to get hooked. It's like shut your phone off, stop listening to the news, stop being programmed by other people, and it, it, it's the same as it's always been. We've always been a screwed up group of people. Like humans are just um, we're given this gift of having emotions, and that's the key to our success. Our emotions are the key to our success. Our emotions are the keys to everything we want. So it's kind of like we were given this set of keys to this amazing mansion, but no one ever told us how to use the keys to get in the mansion. And so we just sit on the ground and play with the keys and shake them and hope that something's gonna work. And instead, it's like you have to figure it out and say, how do I spend you know, the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to say, well, I can manage my emotions 80% of the time. I can get to where I want to go. And that's kind of the key, the 80-20 rule. You know, if you can do 80% of the time well, then 20% of the time you can be completely fucked up and still make progress. But it's that 80% of the time that you've got to try to manage it. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, it, it, it feathers into a lot of the stuff we've been talking about recently, right, DJ? Yeah, as soon as as soon as she said, kind of, you know, the phone, the media, other people essentially maybe dictating your core values and beliefs when you might not actually even believe it. Um, you know, that's a huge. I you know, can uh, kind of the 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 demographic or the the niche that we're hitting is essentially people my age, you know, mm -hmm. around you know eighteen to to twenty nine thirty, and how everybody is always so stressed and anxious. Oh, I know. I, ha I have four, four people that are in their 20s mm -hmm. that I coach, 20 all the way up to 27, four of you. Mm -hmm. And I am blown away and I'm rewiring them all because the greatest part about getting it at this age is if you get it now, greatness is very quick to get there because you can fix it. But it's recognizing, I mean, and taking in other people's opinions. Like if they don't have the life that you want and they're not living the, to what you want to go to, then why are you even listening to them? Yeah. Right. And, and everybody's so quick to offer opinions on everything. You know, Thanksgiving, we had a, 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 my fireplace inside my house. So we've been living in this new house for a very short period of time. We have double fireplaces, one outside, one inside. And the inside fireplace backed up into the house, fire alarms went off, right? So everybody in the house, is giving me opinions as to why it happened. And I'm listening to everybody and I'm like, okay, listening, listening, listening. Called the fire, the, the uh, fireplace guy the next day and I said to him, listen, this is what happened. This is what we discovered. This is what I, I came to the conclusion when I shut the windows all down, the smoke backed into the house. But I'm not an expert. 
you got an emotional issue, I can fix you. I'm not a fireplace expert. And I'm telling him, and I said, but everybody here that night had an opinion. Everybody wanted to tell me it was this, it was this, it's because of the heat and the other one, it's because of this, because of this, because of this. And he started laughing. He goes, yeah. I said, he goes, I'm sorry you got upset. I'm like, I'm not upset. Everybody's got an opinion, but none of them are fireplace experts. So I don't even listen to them. I don't even care what they had to say. In fact, I actually said to everybody, everybody shut up. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what everybody thinks. Yep. Matters that we clear the house out with the smoke. And then I videotape it and send it to him. Cause guess what? He's the guy that knows this shit. Not me. I made an educated guess by saying, huh, the house seems kind of tight. Open a window and see if it backs up. And that went right back up. And so I was like, oh, okay. So, I, but I even said to him, I'm not the expert. But most people don't make that distinction of recognizing they're not an expert. You should do this. You should do this. This is what we have to do. Da, 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 da. Everybody wants their hands in your pie. And it's like, dude, you don't deserve to have your hands in my pot. You don't live the way I would want to live. You don't speak, look, act, play, none of it. So why am I listening to you? I could, that is like just music to my ears right there. Cause I, it's, cause we, there's something that I read a couple a couple weeks ago and it was something that we actually, um, Scott and I actually put in a, in a webinar that we're releasing soon. And it, and it dealed with individuals who do not accept themselves you know, why would you ever take advice from an individual who does not accept themselves? You know, and because then that lack of self-acceptance is now dictating your actions, mm -hmm. dictating your beliefs. So somebody, somebody might, you know, give you a statement that you, in your core belief to your, you know, your soul, you're like, I don't agree with that. But on the temporary surface, you're like, yeah, that, that might be right. When really deep down, you're like, no, that's not who you are. That's not what you believe in. But, you know, it's like that temporary fix. It's, you know, it's kind of like that mental McDonald's that Scott and I always, we talk a lot about, you know, social media is a great temporary quick fix. You can go on there and you can see thousands of people who you have never met before, but it makes you feel, you know, a little certain way, you know, it, it makes you feel accepted. It makes you feel something that you want a little bit more of it, but you know that the long-term effects of it are not aligning with who you are, not aligning with your core beliefs. And, you know, those people who, you know, possibly can dictate who you are based upon a false belief increases that stress and anxiety in, in this, in my age group. You know, well, and a false life, like you don't really know what's yeah. going on for that person. And not only that, but when you start to get these things from everybody, I, t I tell all my young people that I coach, I always say, the only phrase that should come out of your mouth when people are giving you their opinions and saying all their shit and telling you, you should date this one, or they're going to go this one, or you got to do this, and just, just say, wow, that's interesting. And just don't go any further than that. You don't have to argue with them. Just say it's interesting. And then you can always say, explain to me how you got to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Explain to me how you got to that conclusion. And then you'll see that it has no substance behind it because they're just trying to direct you because they can't direct themselves exactly. so who's trying to push you it's most of the time because they they can't direct themselves and it's probably a feeling of power at, at that point or Deflection. A feeling, yeah of, of accomplishment that it's like hey i gave this person a piece of advice and it may even be advice that i don't even give myself mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> again it's back to well are these the people that you you're surrounding yourself with people but are these the people that you would want to aspire to be are they living a life that you aspire to because if they don't 
then why are you giving them your attention, your intentions? Why are you putting all that there with them? Because selecting, you know, I, I often use the word curating. We are at a time when you have to curate your friends. You can't just hang out with people anymore. You have to really choose them like you would art, right? Like, is this a quality piece or is this just a knockoff from the parking lot at the back of someone's car? You know, like you have to really know what you're choosing and, you know, be careful with it. And, you know, I, I'll use the example because I think it's the best one. People always want to go for quantity. I got to have a lot of friends, but um, just like a nickel, the value is smaller than the dime. The size is bigger, but the value is smaller. So go for that small piece. That dime has more value. And that's what you're looking for. Keep the circle smaller and get people of quality that actually lift you up and not to put you in a position where, you know, they are not adding to you. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, that's a great, uh, probably a great way for us to end, Kim. Um, because it fits so well with so many different things we've been talking about on our on our website and our Facebook page. Um, so thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Um, for those of you that didn't write down her framework that she has in her book, Who's Driving Your Bus? Stop, reflect, choose, and redirect. And that comes when your emotions show up and the, the emotions aren't empowering you. Take the time to stop, reflect, choose, and redirect. And as uh, Kim shared with DJ, it happens thousands of times, not mm -hmm. tens of times a day. Thousands. And, um, you know, an increased self-awareness about that can help us all get better at it. And mm -hmm. like Kim said, we're never going to be experts. <laughs> Maybe we become experts, but we're never going to be masters of it. We'll never be perfect at it, but mm -hmm. it's worth aspiring to. So. Perfection's way overrated. It is. <laughs> progress Kim. baby Kim, thank you very much we really Welcome. appreciate it it's always a always a pleasure to see you and uh congratulations again on the new house that's awesome um she built a compound down in charleston south carolina by the way it's beautiful awesome um, still waiting for our invite but uh we'll, we'll yeah i'm sure we'll get Any, anytime eventually we'll get down there <laughs> all right well, thank you very much uh acres of diamonds podcast number 25 thank you thank you Bye, guys